There's a world beyond what we can see. Many times the physical challenges we face are rooted in the spiritual realm. In this unseen world, we can encounter real spiritual battles that affect our lives. Through the truth of God's Word and the power of the Holy Spirit, we can experience victory in the world we see and what remains unseen. All right, well, I want to welcome all of our campuses to week three of our series entitled Unseen. Come on, can we just welcome all those that are joining us? South Shore, Baton Rouge, Gulf Coast, those that are joining us each week online, Facebook Live. We are very excited. We're in a series. We're going to be going all the way through the month of June, teaching the principle that you and I live in two realms. Now, this may sound a little bit different to you. Uh, maybe if you're new to Christianity or just checking out Christianity, it may sound a little bit spooky, but the Bible teaches that you and I live in two realms. Number one, we live in a natural realm. We eat, we work, we, we go to school, we, we have physical surroundings around us, but we also live in a supernatural realm. There is a, an invisible world around us. Matter of fact, we talked about week one that there is a lot of warfare happening in that unseen realm. Now, I wanna qualify. The warfare is not between God and the devil. God is the creator and the devil is the creation. How many know there's no match there? We don't believe in cosmic dualism. We do believe there's a battle and the battle is between the devil and God's people. In other words, if the enemy can get at God's children, that's you and I, how many know that's a, that's a strike against God? So that's why it's so important. We've been teaching you what the Bible teaches. Last week, your authority in Christ. I talked about last week that even though we live in this unseen realm and there's this battle going on around us because of the death of Christ on the cross, his burial and resurrection, when you receive Christ as your Savior, you have been authorized. You walk in the power and the authority of Jesus Christ. It's not your own strength, but it's the authority of Christ. How many are grateful you live in Christ's authority? Come on, as a Christian. Number two, the second thing I often talk about is the power of the Holy Spirit. So you have the authority of Christ, but you also have the power of the Holy Spirit in your life. It's interesting, I hear people say from time to time, you know, the power of God, the power of God. What is, quote, what is the power of God? Let me tell you what the power of God is. The power of God is the Holy Spirit manifested in the seen felt realm. In other words, the Holy Spirit is a divine person, and when he shows up, that's a demonstration of God's power. Now, I like to talk about the Holy Spirit specifically on uh, this weekend every year. And if you look at the church calendar, you begin to understand a little bit about, uh, I'm talking about the universal church, the body of Christ. This is a very important Sunday. Let me tell you why. This is when believers, depending upon your time zone around the world, are all celebrating what's called Pentecost Sunday. Now, you say, Pastor, what is Pentecost? I mean, didn't that happen a long time ago? Well, let me tell you a little bit about what Pentecost is. For a Jewish person, there was three main feasts. There was other feasts, but three main feasts that everyone, would, this is very important, would go up to Israel. One of those feasts where they would go up to Israel is the Feast of Passover. Now, does anybody know who was crucified on the Feast of Passover? Jesus. Remember John the Baptist, the cousin of Jesus? Do you remember at the Jordan River when Jesus came down and John saw him? He says, behold the Lamb of God 
who takes away the sins of the world. So Jesus was the fulfillment. So the Jewish festival Passover, Jesus for a Christian became the fulfillment. He was our Passover lamb. All right, now watch this. This Sunday, Pentecost Sunday, 50 days after Passover is Pentecost. Penta means 50, all right? It's another major feast for the Jewish people. It commemorated and celebrated for them the ingathering, the first fruits. Everyone say first fruits. The first fruits of the harvest. So Jewish people would come to Jerusalem and they would be celebrating this first fruits, this first ingathering of harvest. Isn't it interesting that God chose on Pentecost Sunday, God chose on that feast in Acts chapter 2 to pour out his spirit, the gift of the Holy Spirit, that everyone that calls upon the name of Jesus is no longer left as an orphan, but they're given the gift, the person, and the presence of Almighty God, the Holy Spirit in their heart. So we celebrate once a year Pentecost weekend. How many of y'all are grateful that you have the gift of the Holy Spirit? Come on. On the inside of you, it's a Christian. You have the gift of the Holy Spirit. I want to talk to you today about you being armed and dangerous. You're not ill-equipped. You've been armed. You've been armed by God Almighty with the name of Jesus. You've been armed with the authority of Jesus Christ. But you've also been armed with the power of the Holy Spirit. And in this life, you and I don't have to live defeated. We don't have to be pushed around by the enemy. Now, let me just say this. We do have trials and tribulations. Jesus says, in this world, you're going to have that. But... But we have the ability to push back. We have the ability to exercise authority, not our authority, but the authority of Christ. And we have the ability by God's Spirit to walk in His power. I never forget a number of years ago, a friend of mine, when after I graduated from college, and when I was in seminary, I, I, had, I worked at a restaurant waiting tables, and this friend of mine, he came up to me, he goes, Steve, he goes, man, I gotta, I gotta ask you this. He goes, there's this, now he didn't know. Uh, he knew that I was a Christian, but he didn't have much understanding of it. And he goes, Steve, I got to just ask you this, man. Like, there's this, like, there's this positive energy around you, kind of like a cool vibe. What is that? He goes, because I've been studying this. I've been studying a lot about negative energy. You, you know, Steve, when people have negative energy, you get around them. Well, there's negative energy and there's positive energy. And so I, I want to know, what is that positive energy? It's kind of like a vibe around you, man. Like, what is it? And I said, honestly, I'm a Christian. He goes, oh, no, no, no. My mom made me go to church. I mean, I understand the whole Christian thing, but I'm talking about the energy. I said, let me tell you, Christianity is not a philosophy. It's not an ideology. It's not just a belief system. It's not just some religion that's just way out there far off. No, no, you don't understand something, man. When you receive Jesus, you're not just mentally ascending to something. You have an encounter with Almighty God. You're given the gift of the Holy Spirit. That energy, that, quote, positive energy, you're feeling the presence and the power of Almighty God. The Bible says my body, your body, if you're a Christian, carries the power of God. That's the positive energy you feel. He goes, whoa. See, the fact is, is that you can see it in somebody's life. Again, it doesn't mean that we don't go through tough times as a Christian, but Paul says that we carry this treasure, this treasure in our earthen vessels, the presence of God, the power of Almighty God. It's interesting, I, my friend, who later became a believer and ended up doing great things for God, he, he, he has a question that many, many, many people have. 
And the question is, how do we, quote, tap into this supernatural realm? In other words, this thing, people in culture, you look at TV, you turn on TV today. It's amazing how many people are trying to tap, watch this. They're trying to tap into this unseen realm. Now, they don't know what it is. They don't know how to get there. They don't know how to access it. But they know that there's got to be something beyond this natural realm, beyond this space-time continuum that we just function in. There's something out there. There's another dimension. They know it. That's why they visit psychics. That's why you think it's funny. People think, well, you know what? I got some relatives from Michigan. They're coming out. We're going to go to the French Quarter. <laughs> We're going to do the little tarot card things. No, no, no. Let me just say, they are tapping into a realm. It's not a holy realm. It's a dark realm. But there's another realm. People hunger for it. Why? Because God made you beyond just your mind a spiritual being. And you crave and I crave to connect with a supernatural realm, with an unseen realm. That's why. That's why people expose themselves to so many things and, and people are open to so many things. So Christianity, it's more than just my ability or somebody's ability to, to put together a logical argument of the facts of, and the historicity of Christianity. It's, it's more than just me proving that there was a man. He lived in Jerusalem. He lived in Israel, Palestine, whatever you want to call it. No, no. The, 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 the gospel of Jesus Christ, it's not just words, but it's also attached to power. That when you meet Christ, you're not just mentally ascribing to a philosophy, an ideology, a mental belief, a mental framework. That there is a transformational, transactional interfacing with you and a living God where you sense power. It's the power of God. Paul said it this way. He came into a very pagan area. Matter of fact, if it's interesting, if you look in the Bible, all of these these. Uh, I call them colonies, you call them city-states, you call them nation-states, whatever. Whether it's Corinth as a city, Ephesus as a city, uh, Thessalonica, again, they would be located in modern-day Turkey or Greece. These were very pagan places. And they were rife with philosophical conundrums. People would philosophize, and they put together all of these giant arguments. And so Paul comes into, for instance, Thessalonica. And he comes in there, he says, guys, let me just qualify something about Jesus. He says, I'm going to talk to you about Jesus. Matter of fact, he'd visit off in a synagogue first, and then he would go to the market square. He says, when I talk to you about Christ, there's something attached to my words that goes beyond my words. That's what Paul said in 1 Thessalonians chapter 5. He says, for our gospel, it didn't come to you in word only. Now, it's got to come in word. I want to qualify for all of our campuses. I want everybody to hear what I am saying. I want you to hear what I'm not saying. I'm not saying that we should not place an emphasis on our words. I'm not saying that we should not study the Bible and to show ourselves as a workman worthy. For I'm not saying that at all. I'm not saying that we shouldn't study apologetics, how to reasonably defend the gospel. I'm not saying, I am saying it, that, that, that Christianity is more than just words. It's got power attached to it. It's a power that transcends the human intellect and my ability to articulate words. That's what Paul said. He says, for our gospel did not come to you in word only, but also in what? Come on, say it with me. Power. Well, what power? An abstract force? No, it's power and in the Holy Spirit. So the Holy Spirit, God's Spirit, is attached to the preaching of the gospel and is infused in the words. That's why when you, this is not motivational speaking. This is gospel speaking, gospel preaching, where there's a presence involved. There's a Holy Spirit involved. And that's why it brings a conviction. 
Paul said this in 2 Corinthians when he came into Corinth. Corinth was a very sophisticated place and a lot of intellectualism. And here's what he said. He says, my speech and my preaching, they weren't with persuasive words of human wisdom. Again, if I can talk you into it, then somebody else can talk you out of it. He says, there's something else. He says, but in demonstration of the Spirit and power. So in other words, in other words, there is a supernatural power attached to Paul's words. And by the way, there can be a supernatural power attached to your words and attached to your life and living within you and flowing out of you as a believer. Paul says that there is a power, a supernatural power. I believe every generation, every generation of believers, we need to rediscover the power of God for us. I love old biographies and history of the Christian faith and great men and women of God that, man, they prayed and they did supernatural things. I'm not talking about just preachers or priests or pastors. I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about a layman in the 1850s that started a, pray, a businessman. He was a career man who started a prayer meeting in New York. And some American historians believe that the Second Great Awakening in America was started by, by, by a businessman that called a prayer meeting. I, I, that God wanted to do a great thing through, not a preacher, but a businessman. How many know you are, I want everybody to hear me, you and I, not just me as a pastor, you, every single one of you, you are the material that God wants to do his signs, wonders, and miracles through. You are, right where you are, right where you live, right where you work. When somebody's sick, you say, man, I know this may sound crazy, but can I just pray for you? I'm not trying to be weird or spooky or... That uncle that makes fun of you at Christmas time, he comes in one time, he's dealing with something, you pray for him, God does a miracle. I mean, you know, uncle doesn't think you're weird anymore. Why? Because it's a demonstration of what? Everybody say it, power. You know, in the Old Testament, there's a man named Elijah. And Elijah had a protege named Elisha. I love reading the Old Testament. I love studying these great people in the Bible. It's so cool. And Elijah did many, many miracles. And Elisha was a younger man that followed him around. And, and one day, I actually been to, I've been to the Jordan River where they believe this event happened. But one day, when Elijah was caught up, he was actually translated up to heaven. The Bible says, the Bible says that, he, that, that Elijah threw his cloak. Now, a cloak is a, it's like a prophetic garment. And he had a staff and a garment that, 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 that in essence was given to, it fell down and was given to Elisha. And Elisha had his mantle's cloak, the, the, this prophetic cloak upon him. And, and, and Elisha, watch this. Remember my, my thesis here. Every generation of Christ's father, we need to discover the power of God for our generation. Your kids, my kids, our grandkids, they need to meet God. Listen, it's not enough just to live off of mom or dad's faith. They got to find their own faith in God and experience God for themselves. Come on, are y'all with me? 2 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 14, here's what, here's what Elisha said. He says, then he took the mantle of Elijah that had fallen for him, all right? And he struck the water and it says, where is the Lord God of Elijah? In other words, God, are you gonna show up in my generation like you showed up in my mom or dad's? God, are you gonna show up just like these great men and women of God in the Bible or just like the great men and women of God of history? Lord, show up. Lord, I wanted you to show up in my school, on my campus, in my work, in my neighborhood. God, we wanna see that you're real today. Today, 
the power of God, the power of the Holy Spirit. The early church experienced it. The first, second, third, and fourth generation of early believers experienced. Experienced what? The power of the Holy Spirit. I want to talk to you today about the power of the Holy Spirit. You are armed and dangerous to the spirit realm. You are armed with the blood of Christ, the authority of Christ, the name of Jesus, but you're also equipped with the power of the Holy Spirit. Now, I want to talk to you about how to be filled with that Spirit, how to be filled with the power of the Holy Spirit. I want to talk to you about it in three ways. Number one, I want to talk about the promise of the Spirit. Then I want to talk about the problems that we often have receiving the power. And then I want to talk about God's practical fulfillment. All right, number one, the promise. Is there an experience, an ongoing relationship that God offers us that's not just mental, but a spiritual transaction with God that fills us with power? And the answer is yes. Look what John the Baptist said. Matthew chapter 3, verse 11. Remember who John is? He's the cousin of Jesus. He's the one that baptized Jesus. And here's what he said. He said, I indeed baptize you with water. This is really, really important. He says, I indeed baptize you with water unto repentance. All right? But he, speaking of his cousin, six months younger, Jesus, said, he, Jesus, who is coming after me, is mightier than I, whose sandals I'm not worthy to carry. He, Jesus, will what? What's this word say it? Baptize. Now, let me pause right there for a moment. The word baptize is the Greek word. Remember, the Old Testament's primarily written in Hebrew. The New Testament's primarily written in Greek, right? A common koine Greek. It's a common vernacular Greek during that time. And the word baptize, English translated, is the word in the Greek, baptizo. Here's what it means, to be immersed. Now, I want you to read it this way, all right? He will immerse you with the Holy Spirit and with fire. Pause right there. I want every campus to just focus in on this. When you became a Christian and you received Christ and your name was written down in the Lamb's Book of Life and you now are going to heaven to spend eternity with Christ. Now watch this. Does your present experience walking with Jesus, does it concur and connect with the concept that you have been immersed in the Holy Spirit and fire. If not, then you've come to the right place because I wanna teach you how you can live daily in the power of Almighty God. How many are grateful that we can be filled? Everybody say filled. Say immersed in the Holy Spirit. How many are grateful that we can be filled and immersed? Come on. That's what the scripture says. I know that we can be filled with insecurity. I know that we can be filled with fear, but I'm grateful I can be filled with the Spirit of God. I'm grateful that the Spirit of God can drive out all that other junk. And I know it tries to contend for my affections. I know it tries to contend for my heart, but I'm gonna tell you something. I'm grateful that we serve a greater God than the insecurities that try to linger in our soul. I'm grateful for that. Jesus, when he was on the Mount of Olives, right as the divine ascension is about to take place, his last message, his last message to his disciples prior to his departing is this. Acts chapter one, verse eight, he's talking about this experience of this ongoing walking with God through the power of the Holy Spirit. Here's what Jesus said, all right? This is right what's called the divine ascension. He's about to be, he's about to ascend to the Father, all right? This is after the cross, 
after the burial and after the resurrection of Christ. This would be 40 days after the resurrection, all right? 10 days before Pentecost. He says, but you shall receive, what's that word? Come on, say it. Okay, Greek word there, dunamis. Hey, does that sound familiar to an English word? What's an English word? It sounds like dynamite. Jesus said, I didn't say it. Jesus said in the scripture, but you shall receive dynamite power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. Well, pastor, I'm just, I'm just serving the Lord, trying my best. I'm just trying to do right. You know, I'm just trying to do right. One day I'm just grateful I don't go to hell. That's a terrible place. And I just want to go to heaven. Well, that's a wonderful start. But how I many you know there's a dynamite power that's available to you as a believer in Jesus? Are you walking in that? There's a power, not because you're a preacher, not because you're a pastor, not because you're a priest, but because you're a believer in Jesus. If you trust Christ, you're a savior. The Bible says that you can receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you. You can be a witness. Jerusalem, Judea, and Samaria to the uttermost parts of the earth. Now, that's the promise. Everyone say promise. So there is a promise of power for the believer in Jesus Christ. Let's talk about some problems attached to that, all right? I'm gonna break this down. This is important. Let me give you three problems that I, that I see. Number one, the first problem is that the Holy Spirit is often ignored in churches. And I say that respectfully. I love all Christian churches, all Bible-preaching churches. I don't say that disrespectfully at all. But I will say we put often a lot of emphasis on the Father, we put a lot of emphasis on the Son, but the Holy Spirit often can be an add-on. Now, we believe in one God. We are monotheistic. Theism, to be a theist is to believe in God. Mono is a Latin word which means one. We believe in one God. Everyone say one God. Okay, don't, don't misunderstand. Don't go out, hey, Church of the King, they got three gods. No, no, no. We believe in one God with three distinct persons. God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. Not an add-on, not an abstract forest, not Luke Skywalker, let the power be with you. It's God the Holy Spirit. Praise Father, Son, and Holy Ghost. King James Bible. Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. All right, so here's the point. One God, three. So the problem is, is that we often don't talk about the Holy Spirit much. And yet the Holy Spirit's God. Let me give you another, another challenge. He's not only, he's often misunderstood. The number one way that the whole, I want, Anybody to miss this? The number one way that the Holy Spirit is misunderstood is when we refer to and think of the Holy Spirit as an it rather than a he, rather than a divine person. You can ignore an it. You can ignore somebody that comes in a room and you hurt their feelings. You can ignore electricity, but you can't ignore a person. You can ignore a chair, but you can't ignore a person. If you're married, you ignore your spouse. You're going you're gonna to pay for it. You know what I'm talking about. <laughs> see, see the Holy Spirit. Let, let me show you John chapter 16. This is important that you get this. The Holy Spirit is a divine person. However, when everybody say this, he. That's a pronoun, right? However, when he, the spirit of truth has come, he, the Holy Spirit, will guide you into all truth. For he will not speak of his own authority, but whatever he hears, he will speak, and he will tell you the things to come. How many know God was trying to get a point across? How many are grateful the Holy Spirit is a divine person? So here's my point. How, how often are we recognizing God the Holy Spirit? We honor the Holy Spirit. We reverence it. We don't, wait, listen, this is important. When we, if, I believe if we would recognize the Spirit's 
work in our heart more, he would manifest more often. Let me give you, let me get, so it can be ignored. It can be misunderstood. Now, let me just give you this third and real practical one. Sometimes he can just be flat out resisted. And I want to go on record saying this. Sometimes he can be resisted because some people have done crazy things in the name of the Holy Spirit, and we don't want to be associated with that. We've got to be very careful that we don't throw out the baby with the bathwater. Just because somebody did something crazy in the name of the Holy Spirit doesn't mean that we should back off for contending for the fullness of the Spirit, the gifts of the Spirit, the power of the Spirit, for works of service and everything else that God wants to give us. Are y'all with me or not? We've got to understand that. We need, I need, you need the presence and the power of the Spirit in our lives. We, every one of us need the Spirit of God. So let me talk about the practical fulfillment. I've got an illustration and I'll close. All right. So I want everybody to look, just to look right here. This is very important I'm about to say. Every single person at Little Creek, all of our campuses, those online and Facebook Live, I want to be very clear biblically and theologically. When you trust Christ as your Savior, you recognize Jesus as your Lord and Savior, you by faith trust in the finished work of the cross. Don't miss this. You are given the Holy Spirit to and the Holy Spirit comes to live within you. All right? This is important. No one can call Jesus Lord, the Scripture says, lest by the Spirit of God on the inside of them. The Bible says, Paul says in Corinthians, that your body, my body, as believers, we're the temple of the Holy Spirit, all right? So when you're a Christian, when you trust Christ as your Savior, the Holy Spirit comes to live on the inside of you, all right? You are saved. You are sealed. You give your heart to Christ one time. It's a done deal. You're a Christian. Your name is written down in the Lamb's Book of Life. You're going to heaven. You're going to spend eternity with God. I'm not talking about the Spirit coming to live within you. I'm talking about biblically when the Spirit comes upon you and manifests His power to quicken you in the here and now. Biblically and theologically, you and I can daily not get saved, but be filled with fresh power, the Holy Spirit. Pastor, wait a minute, time out. So I get saved once, but I need to get filled repeatedly? Why is that? Because you leak. And I leak. And we need fresh power. We need fresh strength. It's not getting resaved, it's getting refilled. Are y'all with me? A car is a car is a car, but how many know it needs some gas? I'll stop with that analogy. But anyway, so here we go. So let me give you two biblical examples. This is in the Bible. Here's what I want to do. I want to provoke you to hunger. Kind of like Thanksgiving Day. Mom, what are we having? Well, I'm going to tell you, we're having turkey and dressing. Well, actually, my mom doesn't cook anymore. We go to buffets. But anyway, so, man, you walk in there, and it's turkey, and it's dressing. Man, it's all that wonderful stuff. And melatons. How many of y'all had melatons? Y'all know, so, know what that is? You know, and oh, man, it's just incredible. Oh, man. And pie. And, 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 just, and so, so you just start, your glands start. Right, right now, can anybody feel anything I'm talking about right here? Okay, I want to get your spiritual glands working. Get you hungry, all right? For an experience with God's presence and his power. Acts chapter 2, they're filled with the Holy Spirit, right? 120 are in the upper room. They're filled with the Spirit. Acts chapter 4, this group comes against persecution. They need a fresh infilling of power. Watch what happens. So they're saved. They're saved. They're sealed with the Holy Spirit. They belong to Christ. But they need fresh power. That's where some people miss it. 
You can be saved, but you still need fresh power. All right? And the Bible says, so this, this early church is being persecuted. The enemy's coming against them, trying to shut down their voice for the, with the gospel, all right? And the scripture says, and when they had prayed, the place where they were assembled together was shaken, and they were all, everyone say it, filled with the who? Say it, Holy Spirit, and they spoke the word of God with boldness. So these are Christians that got freshly filled after they prayed. You see it? Were they saved? Yes. Well, why do they need to be filled? Because of the challenges of the day. Why do we need a fresh and filling? Because we're dealing with challenges that are bigger today than they were yesterday. We live in a fragmented culture. The pain, the level of pain is going so high. The, 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 the stress, the pain, the, the overload of our senses, the shrapnel, the, the just the life, this life is tough. We need fresh power to deal with fresh problems. Let me give you the, I, I'm gonna give you another example. Acts chapter 19, this may be the best example of what? Of demonstrating biblically that you can be a Christian, but you still need to cry out for fresh and filling of power, all right? You can know Christ, be sealed with the Spirit, the Spirit lives within you, but the Bible says, and the Bible, the demonstration of Scripture is, is that there are subsequent infillings of God's power post-conversion. You're saved once, but you're filled as you need the Spirit of God to fill you. Let me give you another example. Acts chapter 19. And it happened while Apollos was at Corinth that Paul, having passed through the upper regions, came to Ephesus. And finding some who? Everybody say it. Okay. A disciple is a disciplined learner, a follower of Jesus. Remember what I said. My thesis is when you give your heart to Christ, when you trust in Jesus as your Savior, the Holy Spirit comes to live on the inside of you. All right? So did these people have the Holy Spirit in them or not? The answer is yes, all right? How could you be a disciple? This is after the cross, by the way. This is after the resurrection. This is after the ascension. This is years after it. This is in the apostolic ministry of Paul. Now watch this. Look at verse two. And he said to them, disciples, did you receive the Holy Spirit when you believed? Let me pause there for a moment. If it's not possible for someone to not walk, and I know that's a double negative, if it's not possible that somebody may not be walking in the fullness of the Spirit, then Paul asked the question in vain. Unless there is a moment that Paul was pressing in on these Christians, and here's what he said. I want everybody to look at me at all of our campuses. Paul's saying this. The Spirit of God lives within you, but are you filled with the power of the Holy Spirit? Are you filled with the fullness? Watch what they said. And they said, so they said, we have not so much as heard whether there's a Holy Spirit. And I say this respectfully, there's at times, I've talked to Christians before, I said, man, are you baptized and filled with the Spirit? Steve, I'm not really sure about all that. I mean, I love Jesus. Praise God you love Jesus. That means the Holy Spirit's within you, but are you filled with the power of the Spirit? Are you crying out for fresh infilling of His presence and His power? I love Jesus, that's wonderful, but are you filled with power to be a witness for Christ? So you're telling me that I need to cry out for more after I'm saved. Yes, you do. Because there's fresh problems. We need fresh power. Are y'all with me? So he said, into what then when you baptize? So they said, into John's baptism. Look at verse four here. This is critical. Then Paul said, John indeed baptized you with a baptism of repentance, saying to the people that they should believe on him who would come after them. That is on Christ Jesus. When they had heard this, they were baptized in the name of Jesus. Pause right there. These people were disciples of Jesus, 
They were water baptized. They were followers of Jesus. And Paul said, there's more. Everyone say, there's more. Wow. Look at now verse 5. Now when Paul laid hands on them, the Holy Spirit came upon them. When you get saved, the Spirit comes within you. When you ask for more, the Spirit comes upon you. He equips you with power for works of service. And the Bible says they spoke with tongues and prophesied. Whoa, pastor, this is a different deal with me. I've not really seen this before. I, I didn't really know that there's this, there's this experience in the Holy Spirit where, okay, so, 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 so let me get this straight, Steve. I, I, wanna, I just want to make sure. Stay with me, all right? I want everybody to hear this. So, so before you receive Christ, you and I are an empty, we're an empty vessel. And we're trying to fill it with everything that we can to make us happy. Everything that you can think of, all the good, all the bad, all the ugly, all the experiences, all the trips, all the stuff, all the success, and we just can't quite fill the need. It, there's this hole. Matter of fact, God says in the, in, in the word Ecclesiastes, God's put a hole of eternity in our heart. We can't fill eternity with temporal things. So here's what happens. You, somebody shares the gospel with you, right? Somebody shares Christ with you so that you need a savior, that you and I have a sin problem, and you, and you say, I wanna trust Christ as my savior. So here's what happens. So you give your heart to Christ, all right? So here's what happens. That hole on the inside of you, now the peace and the presence and, of God comes and fills that inside of you up. And now the emptiness that used to be there, now Christ by his spirit is living in your heart. Wow. But... You want to be an effective witness for Christ. I remember at 19 years old, I, I'd given my heart to Christ on October 27th, 1987, and I said, I, I, I was at Tulane University, and people were mocking me for my faith. They thought I'd lost my mind, and I'm preaching Christ to people, but I, I'm, I'm, I'm feeling drawn back into the world with my friends. They're trying to mock me and all this, and I remember sitting down with this lady named Linda who led me to Christ, and my friend and I, and we were all in this Bible study, and, and she said, Steve, what you need is you need the power of the Holy Spirit in your life because you don't have enough strength to stand up. Let me tell you, you need a fresh feeling of power. I said, Linda, I'm saved, man. She goes, now listen, you need a fresh encounter. You need to be filled with the Holy Spirit. So she started going through the scripture and I thought, whoa, and the Holy Spirit fills them there and there. And man, this is amazing. And all over the book of Acts and the, and the, and the epistles. And, and so, and so I, I started crying out for the Holy Spirit to fill me. Now, now what happens is, so here it is. I'm saved. I can't get any more saved than I'm saved. I'm saved. So the Spirit is within me, right? Yes? But now the Spirit, I'm crying out for more. Now the Spirit comes upon me. And now I'm saying, Lord, fill me with more of your presence. Now there's an overflow of the Spirit in my life. Now it's not just within me, but the Spirit is flowing out of me, in my classroom, among my friends, around me. I'm standing up for Christ. I'm standing up. There's a supernatural boldness in my life because the Spirit of God has become an overflow. It's not just John 4, a well, but it's John 7, a river that flows out of me. And the Spirit of God can flow out of each one of us. As we cry out, oh God, more. I want everybody to say, say more. God wants to fill you with his spirit, sir. God wants to fill you with the Holy Spirit. The spirit of God, if you're a Christ follower, comes to live within you. Could it be? Could it be the power that you're lacking? Could it be the power that you're lacking in your life to be effective witness for Christ? You know you love Jesus, but there's a, there's a lack of boldness. 
I'm not talking about being obnoxious. I'm not talking about lacking social. I'm not talking, but there's this, there's this inhibition that comes in you when you get around people and they find out you're a believer. Could it be that you lack the supernatural infilling and the boldness that comes upon you when you're filled with the Spirit? This is not a personality issue. It's a supernatural issue. You walk in the Spirit of God. That day, something happened in my life. December 1980, I was filled with the Spirit of God. There was a supernatural quickening and a boldness in my life. You can be filled with the Spirit. You can be filled with the power of Almighty God. I'm going to ask everybody to stand. I'm going to tell you what I do, and we're going to close. Stay with me. Every morning, I get up, I want everybody to look at me at all of our campuses. The campus pastors can come on stage. I'm gonna ask everybody to look at me. Every morning when I get up, I have my Bible, not because I'm a pastor, because I'm a Christian. And I've got my Bible and, and coffee, because that's in the Bible too. In both the Old and New Testament, by the way. And I'll, and I'll do my devotional life, my devotion, and then I'll do this. I did it this morning. And then as I get into my prayer time, I'll put my hands out like this and I'll say, Jesus, fill me with your spirit. And I'll ask, say, Pastor, is that biblical? It's in the Bible. Luke chapter, I'll give you this last scripture. Luke, look what it says in Luke chapter, I think 11. It says, so I say to you, ask. Everyone say, ask. Ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find. Knock. And it will be, oh, pastor, that's a prayer scripture. That's not talking about the Holy Spirit. Oh, yes, it is. Look at verse 10. For everyone who asks receives. And he who seeks finds. And him who knocks, it'll be open. Here's the verse. Look at verse 11. If a son asks for a bread from any father among you, whoa, where is he going? Will he give him a stone? If he asks for a fish, will he give him a serpent if he, instead of a fish? Okay, there's an intrigue building here. So we're talking about an exchange. If he asks for an egg, will he give him a scorpion? No, of course not. Well then, if you then being human and evil in your own instincts, and you give good gifts to your children, how much more, how much more would the Heavenly Father give who? Come on, say it, the Holy Spirit to those that ask. Every morning, I just, and if you feel comfortable, right, matter of fact, I'm gonna ask our prayer team to come forward right now. We're going to end just a little bit different today. We're going to ask anybody that wants prayer, if you just want to come up front and seek the Lord, of course, you can get prayer every service, but just there's something special about when you teach on the Holy Spirit, to be filled with the Spirit. Matter of fact, if you feel comfortable putting your hands out in front, I promise you I'm not going to do anything to embarrass you, but just your hands like this. This is what I do every morning. And I just say this. As a matter of fact, just say it with me. Say, Jesus, fill me with your Spirit. So I'll say that right there, and I'll just, the Bible says whoever asks, I'll say, Jesus, fill me with your spirit. And then I'll just say, I welcome you. Come on, say, I welcome you, Holy Spirit. What am I doing? I'm honoring the Holy Spirit. I'm welcoming the presence of Almighty God. See, the Spirit's within me as a Christian, but now the Spirit is coming upon me with His warmth, with His love, with His presence, and I'm waiting, I'm asking. I'm pushing aside all the emails. I'm pushing aside the day. I know you guys are so busy. We're all so busy. Please don't leave home without this. Fresh encounter with the Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit, fill me. Fill me with your presence. And I'll do this throughout the day. If I'm dealing with a challenge, if I'm dealing with a, 
And I'm dealing with stuff all the time, personally, professionally. I'm like, God, I just need you. Lord, fill me with your spirit. And as you be conversant, as you begin to, 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 to learn how to access and to engage the spirit of God, and you become aware of the presence of the Lord. Come, Holy Spirit, fill our hearts. We ask you to come and fill our lives, fill our homes, fill our businesses, the church, Lord God, that we attend, Lord God, our children, our family, our marriages, Lord God, our relationships. Come, Holy Spirit. I'm going to pray a blessing over everyone and, do, and pray a benediction, but I'm going to ask if you need prayer or if you'd like to just come up front and have anybody pray with you just for a fresh infilling of the Holy Spirit, our altar is going to be open. Maybe you just want to come up and kneel down before the Lord. Our worship team is going to sing some, just some, some worship music and more of a softer tone today. Father, bless your people. We're blessing today. God, make us a hungry people, a people that are hungry for more, hungry for the presence of Almighty God. May we learn to live beyond just our natural abilities, our rational abilities, Lord God. May we learn to live in the supernatural. Lord, you've equipped us to be victorious in the unseen realm. Come, Holy Spirit, fill our hearts, fill our lives. Lord, I bless your people as they go forth this day in Jesus' name.